0: we're going to talk about something with the christmas season being what it is you know sunday service was so wonderful as we talked about the christmas story so we're going to kind of continue on with a principle from god's word that literally comes from every chapter in the bible and that's how that god's love will keep you there's a principle that you've got to know It's the love of God that keeps you. It's the foundation of everything. And God wants you to have a revelation in your heart of his word that God loves you, that he'll never leave you, that he'll never forsake you. And so we're going to talk about some principles tonight. And uh, so many Christians live their life looking at their behavior, looking at their past, You know, I'll say this before we get into this. You know, the Bible says that we are a spirit and that we possess a soul which is comprised of our mind, our will, and our emotions, and that we live in a physical body. And we know that the soulish part of us is the battlefield. Our mind is where Satan throws thoughts and all of these things. So the Bible tells us, That to walk in victory, we have to present our body a living, holy sacrifice, keep your flesh under, and we've got to renew our mind with the Word of God so that we can be able to receive all that He's done for us because it's magnificent what He's done for us. Right? Well, if you look at emotions, so you've got to get your emotions under control. Well, how many emotions are there? A lot, right? I mean, it's almost like several different times a day you could have a different emotion. But you know, you need to know this, and, and this is a whole other study, but I'm just, this is kind of, so this is kind of a preview of just, that'll help you. This is a nugget. You can take every emotion and wrap it all up. Every emotion, all of them together are wrapped up in one, one thing, one emotion. It's Fear. Every one of them. So that's why the Bible talks about fear a lot. And so there's one thing that will cast fear out of your life. And that's love. The love of God. So if you, as you walk with the Lord, you must know how much He loves you. You have to, and we're going to see it tonight... You have to abide in his love. That's where faith operates. That's where every all the blessings of God, you could lay hold of them. It's, it's all when you're abiding in God's love. And so if, you'll, if you look at your own life, you'll be able to tell if you're abiding in the love of God by this and we're going to get into this so we're kind of giving you a little aerial view if you want to know how much you love God if you're abiding in his love or not just ask yourself the question how am I loving people because the Bible says that everything is revealed in how you love others even even beyond, now, and we're not just talking to people that do you that bless you. We're talking about everyone, amen. Because the love of God gives you and I the ability to love the unlovable, to love those that despitefully use us, to love those that have abused us. Now, what I'm not saying. Is that to walk in love You have to be a doormat No Right If that guy that you're with Is beating you up You don't stay with him And be beaten up every day That's not love that, That's actual What that is is stupidity Based on insecurity Does that make sense So there's, there's a fine line here But we're talking about love The love of God So let's Let's get in the Word and talk about this tonight, because I'm telling you, this is the road to freedom. So, it says in John, you know, we started Sunday service with John 3.16. You know, being a good Baptist boy, it's the first scripture I ever learned. Never really knew the magnitude of it. Uh, to be honest with you, the last probably six months, the Lord has brought so much revelation, I almost can't get away from this verse. Right? John John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The love of God, this is why you as a Christian, what will turn you on more than anything else is giving. Because the love of God will compel you to give. The love of God compelled him to give. Notice, he gave what? His first and his best right that's that's why that, that's why if you study tithing in the bible you know people are like well i just don't have the money to tithe that's impossible cuz it's not just 10% it's the first 10% you might not have money to eat live but you always have the tithe right why does god want you to do this now he doesn't it's not a command we see tithing that is a heart response to the fact that, gosh, I love you so much, you saved me. You, you've, you've given me so much, so here. I'm bringing you, I'm bringing this back to you just to honor you. It's a, actually, the tithe is honor. But what it, what it does is it, it, it flows and it opens the door for God to always get over to you the best. That's really what God wants. So look at this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, this is what I love about God, he he doesn't have love or he doesn't love, he is love. That's why it's whosoever. This is for everyone. Jesus would say this, whosoever will, let him come. Let him drink freely. Right? This is for everybody. God's no respecter of persons. The love of God does not have favorites. Because to the love of God, everybody's favorite. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Wow. Everlasting life. It is... The Greek word, the word life is the Greek word zoe. The very essence, the very quality, the very fullness of life that God has. God's saying, the life that I have, the quality of it, the fullness, the completeness of it, everything about that, I am literally offering it to you. Wow. But, but who... How how do you get it? That whosoever will believe. And this is where we tilt because we look at that believe and it's so dumbed down by the world. Satan, for generations, has been dumbing down this word to where you think, well, you know, I just, yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah, you know what? I believe Jesus is God. Do you know how many people will end up in hell believing Jesus is God? you know every demon believes that Jesus is God? Satan actually believes Jesus is God. But that type of belief is not what we're talking about here. This word believes, it literally means that I believe this so strongly that I am compelled now to commit my whole life to him. Now, when you talk like that, you're like, Right? So, let's talk about this. See, Jesus opened the door. And what he did by coming, what God the Father did in his plan of redemption, is he opened the door for anyone on this earth to experience days of heaven while they're living on the earth. Right? So, let's turn to Matthew Matthew chapter 22, let's look at verse 36. Jesus is asked a question. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six 36 says this, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, he answers the question, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Now, what are we talking about the law? This is the Old Testament law. So, so literally, we're talking about something we're not under right now. Because Jesus fulfilled it. It was done away with. We're not under it. But this is what it was. That you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang, the King James says. In the Greek it would read, stand all the law and the prophets. So literally, do you want to understand the whole law and the prophets? This is it. You'll love God with everything that you are. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And you will love your neighbor as yourself. Everything is fulfilled in the Old Testament law. If you do that. Right? On these two commandments stand all the law and the prophets. So in other words, to love God and to love others as you love yourself. Now that could be a problem with you. Right? It was kind of a problem with me. Because I thought that I was worthless, and I really didn't love myself. So that could kind of mess with you if you're my neighbor. Because if I don't love myself, and I love you the way I love me, that could be bad. Right? So now, that's Old Testament. So now let's bring it right up to now, us go to John chapter 13 John chapter 13 verse 34 so now we're going to we're going to become the relevant church we're going to bring it right to 2021 this is Jesus talking directly to you and I right it says this Jesus said this a new commandment I give unto you notice he didn't say a new suggestion He didn't say, hey, this is a new option for you if you want to take it. No, no. He's saying, if I'm your Lord, this is the commandment. It's right here. I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. No. just in case the Holy Spirit's going now, just in case they didn't get that. He finishes up by saying the same thing, that you also love one another. Because we're American Christians. So we would probably say, you know, gosh, I want you to love one another as I love you. And then we'd start focusing on, yeah, Jesus loves me. No, no, he wanted the focus to be on, listen, you need to love, this is the commandment, you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. You could keep going. In the Greek language, it's kind of funny. You could kind of keep going with that. As I have loved you, you should love one another as I have loved you, that you should love one another as I have loved you. I mean, you could keep saying that over and over and over. Now, when we we who understand the word of God know this, that whenever God commands us to do something, his very word is an empowerment. He enables us to do it so this is not unfair this is actually what you and I have been made to live by that we are to love one another as God loves us well how does God love us is it conditional it's, there's no conditions does he love you more when you're doing what he says Does he love you more then than when you're not doing what he says? No. The word is agape. The word love is agape. It's unconditional. It is not in any way determined on the person you're loving. They're they're a non-issue. You have determined, I will love my brothers and sisters the way God loves me, unconditionally. Now, if you understand... What love is, that puts you in a position that positions you to walk in the quality and the fullness of the life of God that he has. It it literally, it puts you in Zoe life. What really happens when you set an expectation and then a person falls beneath that, and you don't have it locked in that I will love them unconditionally, no matter what. There, you, you could get offended. And guess who gets hurt when you get offended? You do. When you get angry at a person, guess who gets hurt? Well, that person could get hurt if they're your spouse or whatever close to you. But really, who it really hurts is you. Right? So let's keep going with this. Look at verse 35. He said this, by this, by the fact that you love others the way I love you, all men sh- will know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. How many times is he going to say that in those two verses? Right? So we love One another unconditionally and this is how all men are going to know that you and I are identified with him Wow That's how they're gonna know that you're identified with Jesus Now let's jump over to first John chapter 3 In verse 14, I call this verse You know, we've been talking about how to develop a strong spirit so this verse is the measuring stick for spiritual growth. This will tell you exactly how spiritually mature you are. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. Hallelujah. I can tell you guys are all excited about this. No, I know you are. What, what we're really talking about is how to be free. It's how to be free. I mean, it's amazing how the love of God will free you. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14 says, We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. He that loves not his brother, I want you to remember this word tonight because we're going to talk about it a lot abides in death. Abides, this Greek word, it's the Greek word meno. It literally means to settle down and remain, to stay and continue in death. So it says, any time that you or I, as a child of God, choose not to love his brother, He literally is settling down what you're doing. Now think about, has anybody ever hurt you? They meant to hurt you, and they don't care, and they hurt you, right? I mean, I've talked to people that were sexually abused by their parents that were just like, I hate them. I hate what they did to me. But the love of God has the ability to heal to where there's no more scar. To where you look at an event and you remember it, but you can't touch it anymore. You can't touch how it felt. I mean, I've, I've talked to a young lady who had been raped. And she's like, it happened. I remember it. But I can't touch it anymore To where for years When I'd walk And I'd smell a certain smell Or a word would it, would it would literally freeze me Because of what happened to me And now they're just completely free The love of God When God heals he takes away the scar Well what is the scripture over and over and over God says this Behold I make all things new Brand new Right No, no, no. No, Tony, come on. When you get scarred, you have a scar. It doesn't hurt anymore, but you still see the scar. No, not with God. No, no, he takes away the scar. Because you're not scarred, you're whole. There's only going to be one person in eternity with scars. It's going to be Jesus. Right? We know we've passed from death unto life. We know we've passed from death unto zoe life because we love our brothers and sisters. He that loves not his brother abides in death. Do you know it's the same word where it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, that's the same word meno. You'll ask whatever you will and I'll do it for you. Everything hangs On this law of love, our faith hangs on it, our prayer life, right? Our healing, our deliverance, all these things that we've been given, our prosperity, and we've also just read the most violated commandment in the Bible. Aren't you glad that God is merciful and he always forgives? If you're sitting here tonight with bitterness and unforgiveness, you can literally, the Holy Spirit will walk you right out of it, if you'll allow him to. Because the emotion that you got to get under control, you might not realize it, but if the Holy Spirit will take you all the way down, and he'll bring you to a place where you might be so angry, you just want to, seeing this person die would make you happy, and, and the Lord will get you to a place where he'll go, so Tony... So bottom line, what are you afraid of? What do you mean? What am I afraid of? I'm not afraid. I just want them to just, you know, take a long walk off a short pier in shark-infested waters and let me watch them. (laughs) What I just described to you, that anger, that's fear. It all gets down to fear, and it all opens the door for the enemy to work, and it keeps you... It keeps you away from the blessing of God. So here, let's, let's parallel unconditional love with natural emotional love, okay? Uncon- er, agape love versus natural emotional love. Agape love is unconditional. Natural emotional love is conditional. If, if this is good for me, if you're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. Agape love is not like that, it's unconditional, Agape love is limitless. Now, by the way, this love that we're talking about literally was shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. So you have, you're literally saturated in this limitless love. Natural emotional love is limited. Agape love is unqualified. Nobody has to qualify To be loved by me. Agape love does not require somebody to qualify. Natural emotional love is based on emotion, right? Young lady, if you're dating some guy and he's not willing to wait till you get married to have sex with you, be careful. Because that's not agape love. That's I want something. Right? And it opens the door to all kinds of nonsense. Agape love is always completely concerned about others. Natural emotional love is always concerned about oneself. Now we're talking about agape love is life Natural emotional love is basically death, right? Agape love is selfless, selfless. Natural emotional love is self-centered. Agape love tolerates everything. Natural emotional love is intolerant. Agape love does not need to be loved back. Natural emotional love needs to be loved back. Do you see the insecurity? People compromising their lives, compromising their walk with the Lord, compromising everything because I just want him to love me. I just want her to love me. I just want my mom or my dad, a lot of times, I just want my dad to accept me. Right? You've got to be careful with all that. Agape love causes you to walk right out of it. Now, here is the parallel. It's in Romans chapter 8. It says, for the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. That's Romans chapter 8. I think it's verse 2 or 3. The law of the spirit of life which is in Christ Jesus is agape love and it makes me free from the law of sin and death which is this selfishness and self-centeredness which is basically the root of all natural stuff agape love connects me to faith and empowers me to lay hold of all the blessing of god the law of sin and death, which natural emotional love would fall into that; those are characteristics of it. It literally is a breeding ground for fear, which opens the door for the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. This is how this subject is; oh, it's massive. Agape love will change your whole life in every way. So now let's look at old covenant versus new covenant, because we got to see. What God was talking about in the old covenant and how it parallels now what we have now in the new covenant In the old covenant Where we call this first covenant you could say the abrahamic covenant In acts 7 8 it says this and he gave him the covenant of circumcision And so abraham begot isaac and circumcised him the eighth day And Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot the 12 patriarchs. To be part of this covenant, you had to be circumcised. And every man said, ouch. Right? Thank God it happened before you were too old. But here's the new creation covenant. It was established by Jesus, and the circumcision... Now, we still all have to be circumcised. But circumcision is of the heart. So now we're going to talk about what happened to you when you got born again. So in Ezekiel chapter 11, in verse 19 and 20, and you could pull it up in the Amplified, because the Amplified really brings it out. It brings the Hebrew language out. Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19, it says, And I will give them one heart, a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within them, and I will take the stony heart, or I will take the stony, unnaturally hardened heart, out of their flesh, and I will give them a heart of flesh. Here it is. The heart that God gave you and I is sensitive and responsive to the touch of their God. Isn't that amazing? Your heart as a child of God is sensitive and responsive to the touch of your God, who's your heavenly Father. God, when you got born again, this became you. Isn't that amazing? Man. Why did he do that? that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Well, if you were to break this down and bring it right into the New Testament, what would the statutes and ordinances be? That we would love one another as God loves us. This is a new heart, this is you, this is your spirit. Now you might not be acting like this because you haven't renewed your mind yet, but this is who you are. Amen. This new heart is ruled by love, it's not ruled by selfishness. This new, see, so when you're selfish, your own heart is going, what are you doing? And that inner turmoil, it stinks, right? Right? This new heart is created with the very nature and character of God. In the old covenant, certain men, priests and kings, prophets, they could have the anointing upon them. Now, guess what? Every one of you have the anointing within you. It's not just comes upon you once in a while. It's within you. When Adam fell in the Garden of Eden, his heart became stone. What was the first thing that happened? Fear shows up. Right? Why? Because he became self-centered. He was no longer God-centered. He hid himself. He no longer went to God. He ran away from him. I mean, think about that. And he became stupid because can you really hide from the all-knowing God? Think about this. Adam, who knows how many? I mean, we don't know how old he was. Every day, God would come and talk with him. Hey, this is how I hold the universe together. This is how I do this. This is how I do that. All this stuff. And then all of a sudden, the minute Adam dies spiritually, he thinks he could hide and God can't find him in some bushes. That's crazy. He became... Controlled by emotion, and he lost all sensitivity to God. He lost all of it. So, this old covenant versus the new covenant circumcision of the flesh versus circumcision of the heart in the new birth. Your heart has been circumcised, you're sensitive and responsive to the touch of your God. That would probably be a great confession. Boy, if you walked around just confessing that, Father, I thank you that I'm sensitive and responsive to your touch. Man, you would just, it would be amazing. You'd be running around going, you'd be running up to me going, Pastor, wow, this stuff you talk about is actually true. Why? Because you would be experiencing it. Instead of sitting hoping it'll work out. Right? This old covenant versus the new covenant, here's another one. We're talking about Old Covenant servants versus New Covenant sons and daughters. Children of God, intimate. So now jump over to Colossians chapter 2. So we've laid a little bit of a foundation. Let's keep going. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. Look at what's happened to you and I. This, This is why, like Sunday, we talk so much Man, for God to do this, he had to strip himself of his outer garments of glory, splendor, and power, and he had to clothe himself with flesh and come and be born in a manger and grow up and then as a man in order to legally do this for us. But this has happened, and now we're, this is who we are. Oh, I pray that in 2022, you begin to just see who you really are. Colossians 2.11 says, In whom, or in Christ, also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Hmm. You've been circumcised. So now it's going to kind of explain this. Verse 12. Buried with him in baptism. Literally, it would read like this. Having been buried with him, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation. This word operation is the Greek word energia. It literally means Through the faith of the operational power of God. You were circumcised. Do you realize you had an operation? But it was without hands. It was the operational power of God circumcised your heart to take away this stony heart, to take away and separate you from the flesh And now you're this spirit that's responsive to the touch of God. Through the operational power of God, who hath raised him from the dead. Verse 13, and you. You is a plural word. In other words, and all (laughs) y'all, all of you, everyone. It's not just one individual, depending on where you live, right? And every one of you, being dead, it refers to spiritual death. Every one of us were dead spiritually. Right? In your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. Every one of us, when we were uncircumcised, we were dead spiritually. This is talking about our old man. And all of you that were dead, has he quickened? This means he gave you life. Well, what do you mean, life? Zoe, the essence and quality and completeness of his life. When we were dead, he gave this to us. Wow, isn't this amazing? Has he quickened? Together with him. In other words, we were given life with Christ. In other words, just what Romans says when Jesus came out of that grave, we came out of that grave. Isn't that amazing? We went from death to life. Tonight, you're alive. Isn't that awesome? Now, I know that seems simple, but no, 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 no. When you realize you're alive, you won't let death have any part of you anymore. All this stuff about natural emotional love and selfishness and self-centeredness, which is beating you up. I mean, Paul, look at Paul. He's caught up into the third heaven. I mean, he's given all this revelation you would think this guy would finally be just so spiritual that he would just not have, to, I mean, I figured it out. I don't have any problem. But this same guy said, man, I have to beat my flesh black and blue daily. And here's what he said. He, I mean, when you read this in the Word where it says, this one thing I do, your spiritual antenna should be like, bam. Okay, this guy walked in all of this, and he said he only had to do one thing. What is it? I have to forget the thing. I have to forget my past. Wow. Do you know in the life of Paul, his past came up every day of his ministry? Every day. He's having a great meeting. Then there's a few people that, man, you know, that guy had my dad killed. And now he's preaching the same God. Are you kidding me? My mom is rotting in a prison cell right now. Man, let's stone this guy. Paul said, I had to forget. At one point in time, he said, listen, I live in all good conscience before men. What? Paul, did you forget? He'd be like, yeah. I, I have to forget. See, you can't develop spiritually and grow spiritually. See, this is why most people don't love their brothers, brothers and sisters unconditionally, is because they're still beating themselves up for their past, past mistakes, But what they do is they bury that because I don't want to deal with it. And and, and what's on the surface is what everybody else has done to me. But really, it's just we're living in death when we have been made alive. Quicken together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. I love this Greek word. It's charis zomai. Charis. You guys know the word charis. That's the word grace. In other words, it literally means having graced you of all your trespasses. Grace, God doing for you what you could never do for yourself. You could never clean yourself up. You could never be made new in yourself. All you had to do was believe what Jesus did. Now, I mean, believe to the point where you're willing to commit your life to it. Right? You could tell a person who's done that versus a person who's not. When you mess up, where do you run? If you're spiritually dead, you don't care. But if you're spiritually alive, you're gonna run back to God going, hey, man, I did this, that was not, that's not, I confess that before you, Lord, that, that wasn't, that wasn't right. That I let my flesh operate here, and right. And God's like, okay, don't worry about it. It's paid for. I'll cleanse you of all righteousness, all unrighteousness, right. Having forgiven you all trespasses, look at this, blotting out the handwriting of ordinance that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way. That, this is the Greek word, "arrow." you got to love this word. It means to remove permanently all your sin, all your spiritual death, who you are. It was once and for all condemned in the body of Jesus and it was taken out of the way. Clean slate. Now you're, you're literally unaccusable, but you're unaccused. I mean... Here's the righteous judge of all the earth, God the Father. Open the books. Talk to him about your sin. And he's gonna, if he opened the books, he'd be like, there's, there's nothing. But wait, I murdered. I, I, I knew a guy in the Tijuana State Prison. He murdered eight people with his hands. I'd never met a guy so full of the love of God in my life. He got pardoned. He was in, in there for life. He was about 28 years old pastoring about 120 christians in this prison and i'm like man i go what what did you do to get in here and he's like oh i was really in in gangs and all this other stuff and he goes i killed eight people i'm like wow he's like yeah with my bare hands he goes i was evil but he knew that person was gone if somebody ever went to talk to him about it he'd be like i no no i've chosen to forgive forget that talk to God. God will be like, yeah, no, it never happened. It's already paid for. Right. See, God doesn't see you in your sin. Why? Because it's gone. It's not like God's, it's not like God is choosing in all of his wonder to just not see you in your sin. Like it's there, but he's just choosing. Nope. it's not there. That's why Jesus was born that's why when you looked at him in a manger, he's wrapped in swaddling clothing, just like all those other little baby newborn lambs. Right? He was the Lamb of God that what? Covers the sins? No, takes it away. He took it permanently out of the way. Where? I'm so glad you asked. Nailing it to his cross. Wow. In other words, When a person is born again, there is a stripping away of flesh that allows you to live the zoe life of God and to love like God loves. See, Adam was perfect. His spirit had mastery and ascendancy over his flesh completely. When Adam sinned, though, his emotions took charge of him. His body and selfishness ascended above his spirit and dominated it. Why? Because his spirit was now dead. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. God said in Genesis 2, 2, 217, he said, for in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Well, you have to go into the Hebrew language. It says in the day that you eat Thereof, in dying spiritually, you shall die. It took like over 900 years for Adam to die physically. But why did he die physically? Because he died spiritually. Right? When you were born again, the ascendancy and dominion of the senses, of your senses were stripped away. You're not, I'm serious, you've got to meditate on this. When you were born again, the ascendancy and the dominion that your senses had over you were stripped away. In other words, now, as a child of God, you have to choose to let your senses dominate you. You have to literally allow it. Because who you are in Christ, it's all been stripped away. Yeah, but it feels, yeah, it does. I, I love the statement that a young minister, I think Lester Summerall is the first guy that said this. I don't know if he was the young minister. When he asked Smith Wigglesworth one day, he said, hey, Smith, how you feeling? And Smith barked back at him. I don't know if it was Lester or somebody else. He says, Smith Wigglesworth never asks himself how he feels. Smith Wigglesworth tells himself how he feels. Because Smith Wigglesworth is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. No, he's a spirit that's been circumcised that the operational power of God has stripped away the dominion of my senses now. Now I could walk by faith. I could receive everything through faith. I could walk in the love of God. I mean, yes, you're human, but that's not all you are. You're a child of God. Now, what does that mean? Now we don't have to obey feelings and emotions. In Romans chapter 5, in verse 5, it says this, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God, the agape love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto me. See, this is why the Holy Spirit, what happens when a person gets born again is the spirit man that's dead and separated from God is removed. That spirit is under the dominion of the flesh. It's completely taken out and God puts a brand new spirit and now that operational power, the flesh does not have dominion. The Bible says in Romans 6, sin shall not have dominion over you anymore. This is powerful. So now God's love will actually lead me on the inside. He's given me a spirit that's responsive and sensitive to him. Well, who is he? Love. So now my spirit is responsive and sensitive to the love of God. My spirit man, your spirit man, can smell the love of God a mile away. It compels you. This is why we we can't, I hear from pastors, I mean, no, I can't get anybody to help out in church. That's not the love of God. The love of God is like, man, what can I do to help? It looks different in word of faith churches because oh my gosh, I can't, I can't serve in the nursery. Because Pastor Tony, man, you got to tell me another nugget, because I gotta, I gotta put this in my arsenal. The love of God is like, hey, all you guys get in there and receive, I'll go change diapers. That's what the love of God does. Now, am I saying that everybody should just drop everything? No, no, no. We're led by the Spirit of God. What I'm talking about is when God is compelling you to help someone or give or do something, and what do you do? You say, no. Right? Right? I went to lunch today. And I'm there, I've got some notes going on, you know. And there's this young lady who's a server. And the Lord tells me exactly what to say to her. Right? May the blessing of God and the love of God be upon your life this Christmas season. And I'm sitting there going, it was very obvious in the natural that this girl might not be one of those that like that statement, right? And you know, with my mouth, it's not like I'm saying it to her. Every, the, the, the guy doing the dishes in the back room is probably going to hear this, right? So me, I'm thinking, I don't have time. I'm just going to write it. So she brought the receipt, you know how, you know, when you, when you pay by credit card, you sign the one form and you have a receipt. So I turned it over and I wrote in big letters those words, and then I just signed it Tony. And my own spirit goes, You wimp. <laughs> so I'm like, Yeah, so I took that and, you know. And so I told her that, right? What compelled me to do that? I mean, I don't even know who this person is. But when I look at her, I'm compelled because God loves me and he made me new. How dare I keep this a secret? Right? And so I just said that to her. You know, and uh, I mean, I'm old enough to be her dad. She probably had never heard anything like that before. Because she, she stopped and with a tear in her eye, she said, you know, thank you. I've never had anybody tell me that before. You right? You know, I said, so I invited her to church. Who knows, maybe she'll show up one of these days. I invite so many people to church, it's amazing. <laughs> See, now we have to, the capacity to love the unlovely, to love our enemies. In other words, I'm telling you tonight, you can override your emotions. Fear will never dominate you again when you realize, wait a minute, my, I've been circumcised. My flesh is under. My flesh are, my, my emotions, my soul realm can't control me anymore. Right? Now you can override your emotions. Now Jesus could give us the new commandment of Agape love because of what happened to us. Now, in other words, we can love with God's capacity. If we try to exist, and this is where, this is why in the church we've got to use entertainment and we've got to have all these programs to build the church. What are we doing? We're trying to exist out of His love. Are programs bad? No. Is technology bad? No. We need all of it. But let's not think that that's going to build the church because Jesus is not really impressed. Our sound system and our light system and smoke. It will never come close to the technology that's in heaven. Amen. But Jesus walking in and manifesting his presence, wow, see, we're trying to exist out of this love and that's why we fail. If you try to exist and getting your bills paid or getting literally getting your, your body healed or whatever it is out of love, You'll fail, because you're not made to do that. In other words, we give God permission to express his love to others through us. That's what I was compelled to do today. That's what we're to live in always. Right? In other words, we must declare what divine love can do. In other words, God is asking all of us, will you love what is not lovely, right? So that I can come in and make them lovely. That's what God's saying. So now, let's keep going. You guys okay? Hallelujah. John chapter 15, verse 9. Look at this. It says, as the father hath loved me Jesus is talking here as my father has loved me so have I loved you So in other words he's saying to these guys listen you've been with me as the father loves has loved me so have I loved you now continue in my love, in other words, guys, continue in it. So now as I've loved you, you go love each other. And then it says this: If you keep now here's, here's where everybody goes tilt, but this is the reality. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide, Meno, settle down, remain and stay in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. This is, this is why it's a command, because God wants you to walk in Zoe life. In other words, I must make a decision to settle down and remain in this agape love That has been shed abroad in my heart that I have to I have to see a lot of Christians. They're not abiding. They're not settling down and remaining. They're letting what other people do or what other circumstances happen. They're letting that get them to get up and check out of abiding in the love of God. And it's hurting them. Do You see that? Because the minute you're not abiding in the love of God, guess what? You're abiding there, there's no middle ground. You're either abiding in the unconditional, agape love of God, which casts out fear, which literally fuels faith, all this stuff. The minute you make a decision to give in to your flesh, you literally check out of your house of love and you check into death. Right? Man. So we got to make sure we don't do that. So, so basically, when the flesh is in operation at full capacity, the spirit is weak. But when the spirit, and I'm talking about you, is operating at full capacity, the flesh is weak. The flesh can't handle your spirit. You'll, you'll keep your body under So now let's go over to 1 John chapter 4. We're ready for this now. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. Can you tell the excitement in your spirit when you start to go, wait a minute. I am free. This is who I am. Right? Satan piles so much on people so they never know who they are. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. It says, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. In the King James, they translated that to us. In the literal Greek, it would read like this. And we have known and believed the love that God hath in us. God is love. Here we go again. And he that dwelleth, meno, he that settles down, remains, stays, and continue in, In love dwells again in God. If you dwell in love, you're literally dwelling in God and God is actively dwelling and living with you. Now, he never leaves you. He never forsakes you. But so many times, he's right there with you, unable to do anything for you because you're choosing to live in death. Does that make sense? And so that's why we just choose life. And and if you notice, if you're abiding in death, the minute you want to change, he's right there. Right? He's just right there. So you must settle in love in order to be automatic in love. In other words... Why do I walk in love? Because I'm settled down and I'm remaining and I'm continuing in love. I'm no longer, I've removed this other option. I can't be self-centered. I can't be all about myself. So what happens when I step into self-centeredness, my spirit is going, what are you doing? And all of a sudden I remember, wait a minute, I think I'm being all about me, but in reality, I just stepped into death. And I am never to be in death ever. So just step back. The purpose and objective for all that is in you is not for you. It's for others. That's why we're here. If we were here for us, listen guys, heaven is much, much better. Right? It's much better. And, and literally, if we were not here for others, when you got born again, God would just take you. But we're Jesus in the earth. Right? And we're end time now. All the anointing that was placed on all these great men and women of God, all of it is still in the earth. When they go to heaven, it's, they don't need it. It remains here. So let's go out. Let's use this. We're end time believers. We're going to walk in a faith that nobody's even seen before. Walk in a level of love that is way beyond anything ever, anybody has ever seen. But look at what it says, verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect. This herein is our love completed, finished, fulfilled, accomplished, and, and it, it literally reaches its intended goal. That's what that Greek word means. Herein is our love made perfect. Herein what? He that dwells in love dwells in God. And herein is it completely accomplished. What, in other words, when I'm abiding in the love of God, which means I'm abiding in God, you got to get this. This, is what me, this. this is what will be seen on the outside you will have boldness in the day of judgment. Now this is a little vague, boldness. You ready for a series on confession? This word boldness in the Greek means freedom of speaking and confidence in speaking. What are you talking about? What is the walk of faith? What is genuine faith? I believe in my heart and I speak with my mouth. What gives you the ability to get your speech right? Here it is. Abiding in love, which means you're abiding in God. And when you do that, you'll have boldness. You'll have a freedom and a confidence to speak the word of God and see sickness leave see debt and pos- pos- poverty leave you'll have the ability to literally speak the word of god faith works by love this is we're talking about how this works now see man i know people that think they are the most spiritual people in the world and they hate people i know this personally cuz they hate me why cuz i'm a pastor and I'm this, and I'm that, they're not abiding in love, which means they're not abiding in God, which means behind all this spiritual facade, spending hours in every prayer meeting, and this and that, when they look at their life, there's, it's not producing anything, because behind all of it, they're living in death, and they don't even know how much God loves them. So do I get mad at an individual like that? No. I weep over an individual like that. God help them. Because the only difference between them and me is I've just made a decision to abide in love. Am I a better believer? Oh no, are you kidding me? No, 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 no. This is huge, guys. Look at this. And I may have boldness, a freedom, and a confidence to speak in the day of judgment. This word "judgment" means in the day of crisis. Actually, it gives you a word. This Greek word gives you a picture. In the day when you are separated by a crisis and accused. Well, today is what? Is it today the twenty second? So it'll be. The, I'll prophesy. It'll be the twenty third tomorrow circumstances you're in the valley of the shadow of death listen stuff's going to happen wind rain lions right bears goliath furnaces rivers all this stuff's going to beat against your house but listen if you're abiding in him it can't shake your house and you're able to love why because as he is well who is he He's righteous. He's the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And as he is, so are we in this world. Are you kidding me? You mean to tell me that all the authority that Jesus has, all the power, everything, I have access to all of that? Yeah. Because guess what? We are the body of Christ. Then it goes on. Bear with me just a little bit longer. Verse 18. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Throws it. Perfect love throws it out. Right? Because fear has torment. And he that fears is not made perfect in love. And then he says this. Here's the foundation of the revelation of all of it. How do you abide in him, abide in his love, abide in God, love others, all this stuff? How do you do all this? You have a revelation that we love him because he first loved us. In other words, everything in my life starts with him, not me. Wow. Verse 20, if any man say I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he's seen, how can he love God whom he's not seen? And this commandment we have from him: that he who loveth God love his brother also. Wow. Here's, here's a big thing, guys. All of us deal with insecurity and inferiority. This is part of the renewing of the mind. It's just how you overcome it. But here's the key when the agape love of God shows up, inferiority, insecurity is erased. You want to really know who you are and not put up, not have to deal with all the nonsense, the insecurities, the inferior, feeling inferior, all this stuff. When God's love shows up, it erases it. Doesn't cover it, it eradicates it. Coming short in this breeds an inferiority complex. Coming short in what? Loving our brothers. It's all reflective, right? Hallelujah. I'm going to close with this scripture, boy. I'm going to close with Galatians 5, verse 16 and 17. It says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit. And this is not talking about the Holy Spirit, even though in the King James Version, the word Spirit is capitalized. It's talking about your human spirit. Why do we know this? Because the Holy Spirit does not war against the flesh. You war against your flesh. The Holy Spirit doesn't war against your flesh. Vines expository dictionary of words There's one word for spirit It's the word pneuma in the bible So if it says holy spirit You have to look at the context To know what it's talking about Then you know okay it's talking about the holy spirit This is talking about your human spirit This I say then walk In Or according to your human spirit And you shall not fulfill The lusts of the flesh For the flesh lusts against the human spirit. Now this word lust, let me me define this. The word lust means it longs for, it desires for. What does that mean? It means that the flesh desires constantly to control your spirit. The nature in your flesh desires to be in control. Have you ever noticed? You decide to lose weight. And you're thinking of everything. Right? You decide to, I'm no longer going to look at certain things on the internet. And man, those thoughts are all over there. Whatever you're facing... The, you know, if, if it's, it, it, okay, today I'm just, I'm really, okay, I am not going to gossip anymore. I'm going to really do this thing. Right? Your flesh will desire to control your spirit. But it also says this, and the spirit, the human spirit, against the flesh. In other words, your spirit longs for and desires to dominate your flesh. Your spirit, you have the boldness of God in there. Your spirit is like, no, we are no longer doing this. If there's an addiction of any kind in your life, no. No, 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 your spirit, your spirit down on the inside is going, no, we're not doing this anymore. Alcoholism is not going, I'm, I'm, I'm not losing anything else because of this, drug abuse, whatever it is. Your spirit is powerful if you'll feed it Exercise it and give it some rest. I think that'd be a good series. <laughs> it was. It was a really good series, right? For the flesh, lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, these are contrary to the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Paul said in, in Romans, he said, Listen, this is what happens. The desires of my, this nature in my flesh, Wars against the law of my mind it wars against my mind to take my spirit captive So if I feed my spirit and strengthen it I can renew my mind and stop my flesh So here's the bottom line with this I produce fruit through my life Everybody's life produces fruit So this is why we don't ever judge a person now get this this will help you Hang with me. You don't ever judge a person, but we do judge the fruit. Why? Well, you inspect the fruit to know what kind of vine the person's connected to. If you inspect the fruit of somebody, you, you will know, oh, that's God. Right? The vine is God. But if somebody's out I mean, they might be dressed like a really nice Christian, look like a really nice Christian, but they're, and you know, and they, they man, their leadership in their church, and they're like, hey, you know, let me tell you, a, a scoffer, one who's telling others about others. Be careful, because they're, th- that, right then, that Christian stepped out of agape love and is in death, and, and now that vine that they're pulling from is death. So you inspect the fruit. The people that you need close to your life, you want to inspect the fruit of their life to know what vine they're attached to. We got Christians hanging out. Their closest, closest circle of friends are all their old buddies that are not saved. Well, good luck with that. It will be impossible for you to live for God in that environment. Now, you get out of that environment. Now, I'm not saying you get rid of them. No, no. You get some godly men or women around you that's your inner circle, and then you get strong, and guess what? Don't No doubt those people will become your fruit someday. You cannot fake agape love. Only agape love loves what is not lovely. In other words, the fruit of the Spirit. I'll close with this statement. The fruit of the Spirit comes out of the branch, me, because I am attached to the vine, Jesus. So anything good coming out of my life, don't give me credit, it's because of the vine. In other words, I am simply, you are simply an extension of him. So when people come up to you and say, hey, Lisa, can you show me Jesus? Lisa would respond, what, Tony, you've been around me this long, and you say, show me Jesus? Listen, Tony, if you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. Why? Because the fruit coming out of my life, I'm the branch. The fruit's coming out of me, but it's coming from him. See how simple that is? I hope this has helped you a little bit tonight.